Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. All right, so um, how you been? Been all right. Yeah. I got some bad news yesterday. Oh, God. Um, my best friend's father was given a week to live. Oh, wow. And her brother ended up in the hospital. This all happened at once, like within an hour of each other, with um, acute pancreatitis. Oh, God. And they're going to have to do surgery. Jesus. Oh. And, like, so I want to go up there, but she doesn't want me to go up there yet. And I'm, like, feeling useless and worthless. And, yeah, so. Yeah, I I, I know that feeling, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, very not too long ago uh, this sort of happened to me I think we, we talked about this my best friend Raphael had sent me a message telling me um, you know that his mom had been on life support and um, he was just waiting for his brother to come back from London to you know to make the final call yeah and yeah. I wanted to go so badly to the Dominican Republic and, and be there, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like, okay, well, you know, this is it. I mean, you, you're coming, which I would have appreciated, but, you know, I see no reason why you should, you know, uh, put that money out there, get on a plane and come up here, take time from work and stuff when we know the inevitable is happening, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So you do feel kind of like powerless and useless and stuff. So I'm I'm really sorry to hear that. Thank you. And, uh, I appreciate that. When you speak with our friend, please give him my best. I will. Uh, yeah. I will do that. She's part of the family. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, our listeners know, <laughs> know her voice and, uh, I I think she's the very first person to download any episode that, <laughs> that uh, yes. comes out on every Tuesday. <laughs> so she not only is a contributor to the show, but she's also a, a very loyal listener. So it's 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 with a lot of appreciation and love that we we talk about her. And obviously, I know what her friendship means to you. And that is something that I can appreciate. Yeah. Now, I mean? Yeah. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. So, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming. My name is Graham, as you've heard of me. And of course, with me, it is uh, the one pillar that is with me all the time. On the other side of Skype is my co-host. Her name is Joseph. Hello, Joseph. How do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I have to confess something, and I maybe maybe we've talked about this or not, but you know that 
other than Coming to America, my other favorite movie is The Lion King. Yes. And I don't know, I can't wait <laughs> for this new version of The Lion King, but at the same time, I don't know. And I, I've done some reading about and uh, some reading of the uh, critiques and stuff, and it, it, you know, I don't know how to feel about it. I I haven't seen it, and I know that it's sort of like a CGI real life version of The Lion King, which I don't even know if I if I'm going to like. Right. You know, but uh, but obviously it's not it's not an event that I want to miss. You know. <laughs> right. Right. So I, know, I I know with some of their remakes like um, Beauty and the Beast is one of my favorite ones from that era. Uh -huh. uh, from the Disney era, because I, as a kid, identified with Belle because she's kind of, you know, an outsider and she likes to read, which I was always face down in a book as a kid. And and she had brown hair, which, you know, no nobody ever had brown hair before in the movies. There was blonde hair and blue eyed. So that was like a big oh, deal. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the Disney movies, the princesses, they were always like, you know, either had the jet black hair with the blue eyes or the blonde hair with the blue eyes. Nobody had had brown hair and brown eyes. So oh, wow. Like, like I identified with Belle. So um so I was excited for the live action when it came out and it kind of disappointed me. Um I have to say. I mean there were parts of it that I liked, but parts of it I was like eh, so I kind of feel like it's just my opinion. I feel like it's probably gonna be the same way for you. Like there's gonna be parts you're gonna be like, yes and the rest some of it you're gonna be like, what the crap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so so here's my thing with The Lion King is that, you know, the colors and I, I think when you see things uh, on in this cartoon kind of thing, it leaves something to the imagination, you know, versus the, the CGI, almost realistic uh, version of it that is right. like, eh, I don't know if I want to believe that lions were singing and <laughs> and, right, this, right. and this mandrill is actually a shaman you know right I, I i it's weird but you know kind of like the cartoon of it can make you believe the reality of it whereas when you see it almost in the reality you're seeing dangerous animals <laughs> Right, exactly. And your brain is, you know, you've, whether you've seen them in the zoo or you've seen nature, nature documentaries or whatever, you're going, um, lions don't sing that purdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hyenas are Warthogs scary. Don't. <laughs> so, uh, meerkats might. I don't know. They kind of look like they could possibly sing. I feel like I could believe a singing meerkat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, man. Uh, Timon is Timon is real. Like I don't care where you go, I don't care where you go. What you say, Timon is real. <laughs> you know. But I I read a uh, one of the critics said something about a glorified pen over expenditure of pointless CGI. <laughs> Dude was mad. <laughs> so I don't know what happened there. But uh, you know, I'm I'm also. I'm also a little bit mad about uh, not, not the cast really, y you know, because at least they brought uh, Jim James Earl Jones back to 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 be to be Mufasa, and I think he is the only one reprising the the role. 
I think so. I think so. Yeah. So some of the cast I agree with, some of the casting I agree with, and but some of it I don't. Like for instance, as much as I love what's his name, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Yes. You know, playing he's playing Scar, but like yeah. I think Jeremy Irons was too good as I, Scar. I know, I know, I, I, I agree with you. I, I wish that they would have kind of made an exception for Scar because that voice and 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 the the characterization that he brought along with it is so iconic. Yeah. That I just feel like they they could have could have used him again and again i i love the gentleman whose name i can't pronounce <laughs> i love him i he's lovely but and a great actor an amazing actor but and, and nothing against him whatsoever and i'm sure he'll bring something new to the role but if if you're going to keep james earl jones then bring back jeremy irons yes yes i i would have been perfectly fine with that you know beyonce as nala i don't i don't have I don't have an, an objection with that. I mean, she's Queen B and, you know, she can do whatever she wants. <laughs> A childish Gambino as Simba, I can see that. I, actually, I see him as a little uh, lion cub in I everything he does. <laughs> in everything he does. Even as a rapper, I see him as a, as a little lion cub, just, you know, strutting around and doing his thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So yeah, um, Zazu, John Oliver being Zazu, perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, John, I'm sure John Oliver is, is gonna be is fantastic as Zazu. Yeah. Uh, the, the sense of humor itself is, you know, Zazu was like the dude that was always afraid for his life, but had to do his job. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. I don't know. I'm 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 excited because hey, this is my favorite movie and but at the same time I'm like I hope I like it. I yeah. just hope I like it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think you will like it, honestly. I think you will. And this is just my yeah, I'm gonna like predict. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna look at my crystal ball. I think you'll like it, but you will definitely always prefer the first one. Yeah, I uh, this is where I am. So here's my thing. One of my biggest problem is with the music. And I know that not much has changed with the music. In fact, I think the only different thing they've done is that they've written at least two or three more songs. Uh, I think Beyonce wrote one song and um, Elton John and Tim Rice wrote two more songs. But the songs, the original songs have not changed. My biggest problem is I read the entire casting, the entire um, cast page, and the men that made this movie, a movie about an African jungle in, with his music, with his composition, was not brought back to reprise it, which is Libo M. A, Libo M, I believe, is, is a um, South African, I believe he was the first African born to to win an Oscar um, mm. for uh, music uh, scoring and composition. So everything that is in Swahili was written and, and composed by by Libo M. Okay. You know, even the, the the very first few words that are pronounced that are sung. Nah, 
you know, all that. And so if you're going to keep the music and you bring back Elton John and you bring back Tim Rice, yeah, bring back Libo M, you know, with his entire yeah. choir. Yeah, that seems like a huge oversight. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I missed it, but again, I don't see anywhere that it mentions the name uh, of Libo M, and I'm kind of like disappointed that they yeah. didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, enough moaning <laughs> <laughs> about The Lion King, and let's see what it has to offer. And uh, today we have a special show because we are going to talk about uh, a show that Jocelyn demanded. Yes. Demanded that we would uh, <laughs> would do. And of course, after seeing, after watching the show, I also understand her demand and I promptly, promptly obliged, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are talking about the Good Omens. Uh, good Omens is a fantastic prime original, isn't it? Yes. And... Wow, wow is the only thing I can tell you. Wow, <laughs> wow. I, I, I know the last time we talked, you hadn't gotten to finish it yet. So, so you've finished it now. And uh, I, I'm, I'm like, so the first thing is I'm mad that they didn't do more than six episodes. Yeah. But again, when a show is this good, that every single moment of it, there there's nothing that you should cut out. No. You know, is, you know, six episodes should do because that's all you need. That, that's, that's the way I can, that's the way I can describe it. This is one of these shows that taken from, from a, an original book, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman uh, wrote the book together. And uh, this it has been sort of in production hell for I think about two decades now. Yeah. Um, I think originally Johnny Depp was slated to play in it. Uh, Robin Williams and Johnny Depp were going to be Crowley and Isabel. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. And um, that fell through. And uh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing against either one of those guys, but we wouldn't have gotten this version. And I really feel like this is the closest to perfect television that I've seen in a really, really long time. I'm with uh, you. <laughs> I um, am with you. I didn't have any moment where I was like, eh, or why, or uh, honestly, everything for me was just was just so so perfect and so sharp and i i love the uh the back and forth and the the characterization and the 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 chemistry that david tennant and michael sheen my have god the on-screen chemistry of these two is absolutely fantastic like they had it they had it down pack and the casting of the show is like near perfect. I don't know that I can say this. There was anybody that didn't have a place there, including the kids. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And you know, let's 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 talk about the cast first before before we go into into the show because every person who played a character there seemed like they were born to play the character. And you could not see anybody else in that character 
but them. So obviously, we've already talked about Michael Sheen and David Tennant. David Tennant is by far one of my favorite British favorite British actors. Um, of course, because he is the greatest Doctor Doctor Who to ever exist. Period. He is. I, I, everything I have ever seen him in, I've never seen him in something and been like, wow, that was bad, or God, he could have done that better. E everything I've ever seen him in, I just believe his character, and oh my gosh. So yeah, yeah agree with you. Gonna gush with you. And like, I, I wish I, w I could ask him this question. Was there any time, any character you played that you were like, eh, I wish I didn't do that? Because I haven't seen that yet, you know. Yeah. I haven't seen it. I mean... Jessica Jones, the bad guy. Jessica Jones. He was he was great for a bad guy. <laughs> oh, he's 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 just so good. As he's good as bad. He's good as good. He's just yeah. just good. Um, Michael Sheen has far too much range for me. Uh, 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 like, you know, sometimes I there are people that are so good at what they do, and and I have this fantasy in my mind that. They are like aliens that just just occupies a human body and is just 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 <laughs> fucking with us. Do you know? Shapeshifters. Yeah, like so. And I've said that. For instance, there was a time in. I'm kind of getting out of, of 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 the context here, but there was a, a, a about two years in the in the 2010s when a European soccer team called Barcelona was literally had the best 11, 11 players in the world. And they could go on and pass the ball to each other for more than 200 times. And the other team couldn't get a touch of the ball. And they would go and score the most amazing goals. And within that starting 11 was the one of the greatest players to ever been born, which, which is Lionel Messi. And I remember the only thing that the only thing that made sense to me was that, like, whoever owns Barcelona decided, let's go ahead and cast the best 11 aliens that we can find that play soccer and create a team with them because that was absolutely fantastic. And I think... Is that a mind meld going on? Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is impossible. It's just impossible. Like, I, I can remember watching games, Jocelyn, where... The um, the narrators could go for a good ten minutes just talking about stuff because Barcelona had the ball and just they were just <laughs> passing it around and the other players were like you know the other team in the the other team was just like what do we do now you know what I mean and then all of a sudden they would decide okay let's go now pa 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 three passes bam goal you know and I I feel like Michael Sheen is that kind of actor. I, I agree with you because I've seen him in many different things and he's to me almost nearly unrecognizable Yes, um, in every role. And, and in this one too, I, when I'd heard that he'd been cast, I was kind of like, Oh, okay. That's kind of an odd choice. Um, and then, but he's ended up being one of my favorite characters in this series. He's just, I want to squish him. Yes, yes. I want to squish him. He, he, he's got this, this angelical innocence yes. that he brings to, to, like, you know. And then, by, by, I guess by virtue, he makes Crawley seem not so bad. Yes. 
you know, he's so good as an angel that he makes Crowley the bad, you know, the fallen angel. Like you, you're rooting for the, the two of them. So much, <laughs> you know, so much, so much, and so much chemistry and so much, you know, and and there's a scene where I'm not going to do spoilers, but there is a scene where Crawley, um, played by David Tennant, is talking about Michael Sheen and talking about him as his best friend, and I cried through that whole scene. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also there's a there's a like weird little humor that goes on there. Oh gosh, they're so good. They're just bouncing <laughs> lines off of each other the whole time. And I, I just the the paintball scene. The paintball scene where <laughs> where they have the paintball party and 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 they <laughs> David Tennant's character of Crawley decides to turn the paintballs into yeah. actual bullets. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and he's like, what? That's what they all actually want. And then, oh, my. <laughs> folks, it's oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> the, the my favorite line is, "Get thee behind me." <laughs> and you could tell that he wanted to freaking just laugh after that line. Like he, yes. you could tell that he is about to burst out laughing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And um, so John Hamm also. I personally was a bit skeptical about John Hamm's casting in for any part of, in, of this series. Not that I don't believe in John Hamm, John Hamm's ability as as an actor. Of course, I mean, uh, I, well, we can still call him a younger actor, even though mm-hmm. he's in deep in his forties, right? But um, he's of a generation of of actors that are like surprisingly good um like almost I, almost almost ridiculously good yeah i i kind of think that he was in with that cluster of folks who kind of sort of got typecast and with mad men yeah and then now that they're branching out and doing different things and not that um, he wasn't wonderful in Mad Men, not saying that, but just the fact that doing the different things, it's like, wait, what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he can act. <laughs> have yeah. you seen the movie Baby Driver? No, I've not seen Baby Driver. But <laughs> Baby Driver was kind of an epiphany for me with John Hamm because he plays a completely different kind of character from anything you've really ever seen him in. So when I saw him in Baby Driver, um, I, my jaw kind of hit the floor with this character that he plays. Really? Um, so even though I was skeptical with his casting at this, at the same time I was thinking, well, he was really good in Baby Driver, so let's see. Yeah, I I just didn't know what to think, you know, because I know that he he's a he's a guy that plays very serious. Like I can compare him a little bit to to Clooney. To tell you the yes. truth, yes, yes, he's got he's got that kind of talent, but he is a guy that refuses to take himself too seriously. Yes, and that's why I think like Clooney sometimes will go and play some of the most ridiculous characters, just so you stop taking him so seriously as an actor or as yes. a director. And then even even when he's not taking himself too seriously, you still wind up like, wow, you know. And and yes. that was for me. Like John Hamm is gonna be on Good Omens, great. So let's see what he can bring to her. But he was the 
he was a great uh, archangel, Gabriel. He really was. He really was. <laughs> there was a line where he's like, stop your fucking whining and get it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what kind of angel is that? <laughs> Yo, the archangel lost his cool a little bit yep. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fantastic. Um and the voice of Francis McDormand yes. as God. Yes. How about that, huh? Yes. I I was delighted by her rendition of God. I I loved everything about it. Just you know, that's 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 what we needed to hear. Isn't it a, isn't it isn't it a fantastic thing that Frances McDormand is so good at what she does that she was never on screen ever, ever. Yet mm-hmm. you're like, I'm glad she was on this. I'm glad she's mm-hmm. here. I'm glad she played this character. Mm-hmm. I, like, it's, it's, it's an amazing. Here's the thing. The show starts and I hear the voice, the narration, you know, and I'm always fascinated by voices. And so I needed to know immediately who is that, Right. Right. And the the greatest thing I think about Amazon Prime is that whenever you pause what you're watching, it actually tells you who is in the scene you're watching. I love that about Amazon. I love it. I have always loved that. I've always loved that. It's like like Shazam. Yeah. (laughs) And I wish other uh, streaming platforms would would do that too. Would start would start doing it. I do too. You know, because sometimes you have people on screen that you know that you're fascinated by the character they're playing, but to you, they're like that guy from that thing. Exactly. You know, and you want, you need to know, and you like, okay, so now exactly. I'm going to have to Google the cast of these and pause it and yeah. stuff. Whereas, and what with, if I get hit a spoiler while yeah. I'm trying to do that? Exactly. Or, yeah. Exactly. And this, this was, this was for me, and I'm like, oh, so is Frances McDormand. But then throughout the entire thing, she is nowhere to be seen. But you know, in, it's sort of one of those things that you kind of know what's going to happen, but you still need somebody to, to, to narrate it for you. Yeah, you need your, you need your spirit guide. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's, and that, well, that's, that's what she did, she did, she did there. And I, I couldn't have asked for anything else. And I don't yeah. know that. I wanted to hear anybody else's voice but hers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, are, I have to ask this at this point because you're talking about the beginning of the series. Are you a Douglas Adams fan at all? Mm, I don't even know Douglas Adams. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, the series, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I highly recommend that you read that. Um, if you enjoyed this, you will enjoy the books very much. Um, my husband got me interested in them. Um, Douglas Adams sense of humor is something that is a gift. It's a gift to the world. Um, so the beginning of this is actually, um, Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman are, are a huge, were, were 
in the case of Terry Terry Pratchett because uh, he's in, unfortunately died. Yeah. But um, huge fans of Douglas Adams. So the very beginning of this is kind of an homage to Douglas Adams. Uh-huh. The the opening scene of it. So if any of our listeners out there are Douglas Adams fans, if you know Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, um, one you're definitely going to enjoy the show. But two, the beginning of the show is going to give you a little smile because you're going to go, oh, I, I see the little Easter mm. eggs you've given us. Uh-huh. So, okay. Um, so yeah, a little, little note for you, Graham, if you get the chance to, to read anything by Douglas Adams, start with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, you won't be disappointed. I'm going to get started. I'm going to get started. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide. Don't watch the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, they haven't gotten the movies right yet. <laughs> you expect them to? <laughs> so, um, you know, the, the characters, the the casting that I would say worth talking about, and not because anybody, there was there was anyone that, that wasn't good enough there, but um, I was, I don't know, I'm fascinated by, Anathema, the the actress who plays Anathema, because yes. I I don't know her. Uh, her name I is Adria Arjona, but I'm entirely fascinated by her, and uh, I don't know why. She is uh, Puerto Rican, and I think she's only been in three things. Yeah, she hasn't. She hasn't been in very many things. I I'm, was not familiar with her work before this, oh. um, but I am definitely interested in seeing more of it because, kind of like you, I'm I'm fascinated by her as well. She's definitely very unique in her appearance. Like well, just just a very beautiful woman and in a different sort of way. I'm gonna give you some details according to IMBD. Now, okay. now I, because Arjona, I recognize the Arjona last name, but obviously Arjona is, you know, a, a Spanish last name that anyone else could have. Having said that, it just turns out, turns out that she is the daughter of Guatemalan singer Ricardo Arjona, who is a very, very, very major singer um, of, of, um, Spanish ballads and sort of like Spanish rock. Okay. And okay. also, so her father is Guatemalan. Her mother is Puerto Rican Leslie Torres. <laughs> and uh, so she is, she is the daughter of these two people. <laughs> okay. So when I saw Adria, you know, Adria Arjona, I was like, well, Arjona, the, the most famous Arjona I know, that's, I said to myself, right? The most famous Arjona I know is Ricardo Arjona, but I didn't even think that Arjona would have, you know, a child that was, you know, old enough to even be in these kind of things. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, right, okay, <laughs> you know, but now that I'm reading, it makes perfect sense. She is, in fact, Ricardo Arjona's uh, daughter so, in Leslie Torres. So, yeah. Okay, so now I know who we're talking about. I, I know why my fascination was there. But she is funny. She's good. Like, her character is funny and, and 
good natured. I like her interaction with the kids. Yes. Because she's everything that kids, you tell the kids to sort of stay away from. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, the sort of like weird young lady that moved in and, you know, is kind of like, I don't know, odd and hippish and you know, if you want to start rumors, the first thing you want to say is, it's probably some kind of witch or something, right? She's a witch! Burn <laughs> her! <laughs> and then Lena, and then she, she, she seemed to be more comfortable around kids as opposed to grown-ups. Like she, the, the entire time that she's in the town, she barely talks to the adults, but yet she has established this fantastic friendship with the gang of, of kids. And she, every time she sees them, she offers them something good. Like, you know, you want candy, you want this. And one of them was like, I'm not supposed to <laughs> accept <laughs> candy from, you know. But then yet they, they all ended up uh, taking it. So tell me something. I miss completely. Who, who's, which character was, was Nick Offerman? Um, he was the, the father... So the, the 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 parents, the the two couples that have the children. Oh, he was the ambassador. You, he, yes, he was the American was ambassador. He? Yes, he was. Oh my lord! And, and I kept looking at this dude, like I know this dude, but Nick Offerman has had this that 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 weird beard for so long that I and and the mustache that I completely forgot what he looks like without that. Yes, I know. You know what I mean. <laughs> I do. <laughs> because for a long time he had the the, the, the mustache, the huge mustache. Yes, and the yeah, the and then he grew lumberjack look thing going on. Yeah, and then he grew the beard. And I'm like, okay, this is this somebody I could I, I will I can tell of, uh, out of a crowd. Yet nope. I never I uh, I I didn't know that was Nico for me. Yep. So that my, was him. My bad. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I thought Jack Whitehall was really good in this yes. uh, and kind of a component to the lady who played Anathema. Yes. I don't think he, I hadn't seen him in very many things either, but I thought, I thought he was good. Actually, I have to admit, I haven't seen him in anything, um, but I was, I thought he played a very good dual role in this. Yeah. Um, I, I thought he was good. Michael McKean. Michael was, McKean was, was funny. He was very, very funny and very unexpected <laughs> for me. Yes. Um, his whole character and everything. So it, it was good to see him. And I did not recognize Miranda Richardson until the very last episode. Yes. I did not know that was Miranda Richardson. I, I had no clue. Uh, no, no I, I, I'm with you. I didn't know who that was. It was one of those fascinating, I think I've seen this lady, but I don't know. I don't quite know who she is. And even if you told me that was Miranda Richardson until the very last time that when she actually invites, you know, uh, the Mr. S to sit at the table, I'm like, yes. oh, so that, that who she is. Yes. You know. Yes. But yeah, yeah. to your point, Jack, Jack Whitehall, I, I've seen in a couple of things, but like I, I, you know, I, I found I found him fascinating in this uh, as Pulsifer, private private 
Pulsifer, as uh, Mr. S called him. But this is one character, the character that Michael McKean plays, um, reminded me a little bit of of uh, Don Quixote. You know, the dude that is, you know, playing all these wars in, you know, he's a caballero from the Spanish Armada in his mind. Yes. Yet he's waging war against windmills. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. And, yes. And, and that's what, which, which finder, what was his name? Which finder, uh, Sergeant? Shadwell. Shadwell. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what he reminded me. And. It, it was it was he was a good character. It was a funny character because he kept calling Madame Tracy Jezebel and Harlot. Yes. <laughs> and that poor lady was no prostitute whatsoever. She was just a card reader. Well, yes. one of those scams. Yes. <laughs> but in yes. his mind, she was some kind of like, oh, you lady of the night. Yes. <laughs> And I love the fact that she was just, you know, he could have been calling her sweetie and honey pie and sugar yeah. and everything else. She, she didn't care. It rolled yeah. right off of her. Yeah, yeah. She, she was too good to him to even get offended by the things that he calls her. Yes. There, there were a lot of supporting characters that were fantastic. You know, th that lot between, you know, heaven and hell, the, the ones that played, you know, different demons and angels and stuff. Everybody was good. Yes. was surprisingly good. Yes. Um, and the plot at the end with the, with the holy water and stuff, that was genius. That was pure genius and one of my favorite parts of the whole series. I, I wish we could talk about I, it. Because, well, you know, we don't want this show to be a spoiler for anybody. But no. We, and that's why we can't. So when we... The two of us talk about, you know, personally this show in general. Then we'll, we'll go over those scenes and stuff. But, but it is important that when you watch this show, you observe, you know, these little plots that we can't talk about, but we will mention. And yes. as Jocelyn said, the holy water scene is an absolute fantastic thing to watch. Yes. <laughs> now, let me address what i what i think of um the moral of the story and in just an, um, I'd, I'd be fascinating also to hear if you if you'd like to go there you know how you sometimes are the only person that kind of shake me out of you know some philosophical entanglement when whenever i see something like this <laughs> and so fascinated to hear what what you you think that this story tells us because on the surface, it could well be, you wouldn't be wrong if you describe it as, you know, good and bad come together to save the world from utter destruction. Or, you know, um, in the case of Aziraphale and, and Crowley. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about the entire story as a whole. And what I. What I see in Crowley and Aziraphale is basically the two different schools of thoughts in terms of political views, battling it out in their own ways to save the world. They, I mean, they believe in what they profess, 
even though they are contra contrary in, in, in points of view, but at the end of the day, they're, they're completely convinced that whatever it is that they're doing to save the world is for, for the world's own good. Do you see what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so let's say that we're talking about the battle between, between conservatism and liberalism and that Armageddon is in and of itself whatever we believe that will ultimately destroy the world as we know it, whether it is the four horsemen that are presented. And I am I'm fascinated by the fact that they are named exactly as four of the things that affect this world the most, right? Mm -hmm. So you have famine, you have war, you have pollution, and you have death, right? Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing is that all the first three things lead to, to ultimate death, right? And yeah. so at the end of the day, Good Omens is actually a, I don't know, a call to reality, like a, a good, good shake, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, a good knock over the head to this entire world to let us see what we're doing, to make us realize where we're taking this world that was given to us to, to herald, to, to make better, to make, to make a good thing out of it. And we are the only ones actually destroying it, actively destroying it consistently and constantly. Mm -hmm. So the animals in this world, the other beings in this world are respectful of it. And the only destruction that they cause is because of it is actually for their survival. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Whereas we destroy this beautiful planet just for the fuck of it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Or like, for money. Yeah. Yeah. For, for money. For money. For money. For money. Yeah. And and this is what I see here in in this in this series. In, in I'm assuming the book which I've not read. That's the point that it wanted to make. That there might be some differences between our different schools of school of thought but at the end of the day when it comes to saving this planet we can compromise we can come together we can come together and do something for the greater good and if you notice crawley didn't care what <laughs> aziraphale thought of him and aziraphale was sort of on a high horse when it came to to being friends with with crawley because, you know, he couldn't forget that he was the good angel and Crowley was the fallen angel who chose to, to fall, who mm -hmm. chose what you would want to call the bad side. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter because they needed to put those differences aside for the greater good. And it was about saving the world from destruction, regardless of what price they had to pay at the end. And they were ready 
to pay that price. Yeah. Um, that 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 for me is is the the lesson here. What, what do you think? I agree with you. I agree with you. I um <clears throat> I definitely think that there was uh, a lot of of allegory there for us, and a lot of hey, kind of you know, like you said, let's hit you over the head with a few things. Um, in the sense of what you consider quote unquote bad or what you consider quote unquote good needs to work together to, um, save us from the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I also think too, to the point of, um, perhaps trying to, and I've spoken to this before in previous podcasts, but my personal belief, and I this spoke to me in this too. So I, I think maybe Neil Gaiman was trying to say this too, is that not everybody is all bad and not everybody is all good. So obviously Crawley, even though he was a fallen angel and a demon was not all bad. And, um, you know, as I can't say the name, can you say it for me? Graham? As you're a fail. Aziraphale, thank you so much. That yeah. um, Aziraphale, even though he was an angel and should have, quote unquote, should have been one of the highest of the highest, was obviously not perfect by any means and not all good. So I, I think that it, kind of a call to arms that there's not pure evil in everyone, there's not pure good in everyone. And to recognize that uh, as the fact that we, we need to recognize that to be able to work together, to go, you know what, there's no reason for me to be on a high horse because, you know, I'm, I'm not any more perfect than you are. And this is a lesson for our days in that I remember one time during the, the early healthcare debate, President Obama invited, you know, the different committees and, 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 from the from both sides of the aisle to the White House to to have a discussion over healthcare, over the implementation of what today is called Obamacare, and at the in his final remarks, President Obama said, "You know, this is something that we could do. There's no reason why we could not reach a compromise for this. The problem is that." the rhetoric around this has been so inflated that if any of you would come to the table and negotiate with me, you and your side has demonized me so much that if you today were to negotiate with me, then you would lose your next election because it would signify that you, 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 you were a traitor to your side. And mm -hmm. we cannot compromise as long as we don't, you know, tone down the rhetoric. Mm -hmm. And I think this is one of the biggest problems we have today is that we disagree with people. And once we disagree with them, we characterize them, we label them to to a degree that there's no way that we could come back together and have a photo up with them when we agree on something, because then the people who follow us will be like, 
what are you doing with this guy? If yesterday you called him a racist, a misogynist, these, these, and that. And an example of that is, for, for instance, um, and again, I'm sort of veering off a bit of what the, the, the topic is here. But about three weeks ago, or three or four weeks ago, Vice President Joe Biden talks about how he was able to negotiate across the aisle, across the aisle as a, as a senator with people he did not didn't necessarily agree with that that were you know former or, or segregationist or former you know Southern Democrat that didn't believe in the civil rights right and by saying that the narrative became. Oh, Joe Biden is praising the fact that he was able to do business with racists. And, and that's all people, people heard. Meanwhile, that's not what he was saying. What he was saying is that, you, you know, there are some times that you have to come to the table and talk to people that you would never even have a beer with. Right. <laughs> you know, right. There are, right. you don't have to be friends. You don't have to agree 100% with everything that that person stands for. But sometimes, sometimes that person can save your ass in passing legislation that will be helpful for the greater good. Right. And this is the message yeah. here. You know, this is the message here that, you know, it, it's not about. I'm not going to talk to you and I'm not, I'm never going to talk to you. I'm never going to have a conversation with you because we disagree in principle. It's about, you know, where I can meet you in the middle, where, where we can compromise, isn't it? Yeah. And if, if you never have a conversation with somebody who has a differing views in you, then neither one of you are ever going to learn anything. So, you know, the racist is never going to learn to not be racist. And the person who's always lived in a lovely little rich bubble is never going to learn anything about what's outside of the lovely little rich bubble. So I, I just we, we need to be able to be open to have conversations with people that we wouldn't normally. And that doesn't, as you said, does not mean we have to be friends with them. Good Lord. No, <laughs> um, there's plenty of people I don't want to be friends with, but I don't think that a complete divorcement or a complete excommunication, if you will, of individuals is good for, as you said, the greater good. Yeah. I also was fascinated by something. The four horsemen, right? So, again, the four horsemen. In this, it, and this is a direct reference to Apocalypse, which is the last book of the Bible written by um, Apostle uh, John. And there, there is a version that is said to have been not necessarily prophecies, right? So when... Apostle John writes about the end of the world. He's not necessarily talking about the last days of this planet Earth, but but rather he's using that as a metaphor to refer to the 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 end of the Roman Empire. <laughs> but mm -hmm. but again, you know, you believe what you want. You know, at the end of the day, this is what the authors are referring to, you know, the four horsemen are death, pollution. What was, what was the other two? The, the other two? 
um, well, the famine, death, famine and war and war. And I was fascinated by the fact that they were all killed by the kids. And mm -hmm. I think there is a greater message here. And mm -hmm. is that, is that if we are actually to save this world from total peril, from, from total destruction, we have to empower the younger generations to take action. Yes. <laughs> it, it, you know, the yes, way, I, the, yes. the way that they all, they decided that we're going to go there and we're going to, we can confront them. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what we're going to say to them, but I'm just going to go there. Right. And they went and yeah. they defeated those four horsemen with relative ease, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I think it's very important, especially for this generation that's coming up because they're coming up in a very different time than certainly you or I came up in, um, you and I, um, and I, I hope that they are learning things. I hope they're paying attention. Um, and I, I hope that the, uh, the dumbasses don't do things to make it so that they can't make it better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, that the didn't day, come out very eloquently at all, but well, I think the, the brute meaning there. The, the dumbasses are the ones, <laughs> you know, the dumbasses are the ones that we, we need to, I mean, we need them to die off. I'm, I, I don't know what else to say. Because you have a well, a group of kids coming up that are very aware of what's going on around them. Because they are blessed to be raised in the era of information, and information is available to them at basically at a, at a finger snap. Yes. You know, so I have an 18 year old that sometimes I'm talking about, you know, political stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm almost sure that he shouldn't know what I'm talking about. And he'll jump in and say, Yeah, I read that. And They said this, 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 and that. Well, well, you know, and I'm like, really? You you have interest in this? You know what I mean? <laughs> But he does, and he reads about these things. Even though it may look to us that, may, may seem to us that they don't care about this. But they care. They know. They read. They watch. They are observing. And... We forget that, you know, the solution to our problems today is literally in their hands. All we have mm -hmm. to do is to hand them a world that will be there for them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that's all mm -hmm. we need to do. We, we just need to make sure that we hand them a world that, even though that world needs saving, but at least is not completely torn down and fucked up to the point of no salvation. I think you saying that reminded me of something about World War I. Um, and a, a quote I read from 
and I can't remember who it was exactly, but essentially a young soldier because World War One was was young won by young people. Yeah, it's the lost generation. You know, they're they're gone. They they essentially all died. It was won by young people, and the world was still run by old people at that point. Oh, yeah. And and th- this was a person who had fought in the trenches. And the quote from them, and I'm paraphrasing this, but because I don't remember exactly and I don't have it in front of me, but was we made them a brand new world and they made the old one over again. <laughs> Which a lot of the policies that were enacted in World War One directly led to World War Two, yeah. led to Hitler happening, led to all of that happening, led to World War Two. So as you say, what you said is kind of the reverse of that and the fact of the older generation handing off to the younger generation. Um, so I hope that's what happens because obviously the young people handing it back to the old folks isn't going to work. Right. And so we, we are, your generation in mine is the last generation that has managed to be wealthier than our parents. And then from here on, we are going in reversal. So my kid will probably not be wealthier than we than 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 I am now and mm-hmm. so on because mm-hmm. and this is directly directly our fault <laughs> you know because we've managed to create a world where you have to go and get to the highest education possible mm-hmm. for you to at least make it to middle class. Mm-hmm. Whereas... Oh my goodness. <laughs> I was on a job board earlier today and they wanted a bachelor's degree to pay you $12 an hour. Exactly. 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 What? Exactly. <laughs> what? A bachelor's That's degree. Preferred. That is not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not even preferred, Graham. Required. 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 Yes. yes. It's, it's That's not sustainable. You can't do that. You can't expect somebody to go into debt for $100,000 to get $12 an hour. Exactly. What the fuck is wrong with you? And that's exactly what, what, what has been asked of my kids' generation, of, of yes. the, the next generation, is that go and get the highest degree, the highest education you can. But when you come back here, I will tell you, well, I like your skills. You clearly are fit for what we do here, but this is what we're paying. Yeah, we're going to give you 12 bucks an hour. Yes. And you're going to have $100,000, $120,000, in debt on your back. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, good luck with that. And if you want to make it, you know, over the next echelon, then go back and get a, I don't know, a doctorate. Yeah, like <laughs> you know. add a couple more hundred thousand. To yeah. That. It's, yeah, it's never the cycle's never going to end. And oh, by the way, if you declare bankruptcy, you don't get to write that off. Oh no, no, because we have to protect no, the big businesses. To, <laughs> that's right. We got to protect them colleges. Yeah, I mean, I know I think we've gotten off topic. <laughs> no, but it sounds like we're going on a on a political <laughs> rant. But when you watch when you watch this series, you will see what we we're talking about. You can watch it from the very simplistic perspective that it could be watched, which is 
you know, good and evil coming together to save the world, or yes. you could you could interpret it for what it is. Clearly, clearly, Terry Pratchett and what's the name of the other dude? Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman did not come together to write a book about good and bad come come together to save the world. They were saying something, and you can opt to see the message for what it is, or you can just suck out the entertainment value out of it and just, you know, go on your merry way. But this is not what we do. This is not what I do. And I know for a fact that this is not what Jocelyn does because otherwise we would have never gotten anywhere near creating this podcast together. If I, if I, <laughs> if I, no, you know that Jocelyn. I mean, I, I do. we, we I had, do. we had some conversations about, TV series and movies and, and, and stuff that weren't about exactly that. It was more about what we take from them that led to the creation of this podcast. Yep. You know, um, so again, you, 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 you do as you please. If, if, if that's what you want to see out of, out, out of this series, by all means, we're not, we're not against that, but it's highly entertaining. But if you want to read between the lines, actually, it's not even between the lines. But if you would like to, to try and to get a little more out of it, it's definitely there for you if you want to be discerning, if you want to um, enrich yourself a little bit. But if you just want to be entertained, you absolutely, this is totally entertaining. Yeah. And, and maybe you, you probably can, you know, if you're a conservative-leaning person, you probably will find a conservative message in, the, in it, too. I'm not because you know this is what you have. My interpretation of it is clearly the 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 interpretation of a a libtard. <laughs> As I'm sure, I'm sure that whoever is listening to this, who is conservative leaning, is calling me right now. Listen to this dude with an accent. But <laughs> I mean, you, there's probably that in there too. Because again, it lends itself to interpretation. But again, yeah, definitely, definitely. There is there is both sides of the equation in this. Yeah, and as Jocelyn said, if the entertainment value is what you're after, it is bloody highly, you know, massively entertaining. Yes. But you can you could go for substance too. You could definitely go for substance, yeah. and I'm grateful for Amazon um, Prime, you know, and I've heard that Jeff Bezos is always in search of things like that to, to, um, to put on, like, he, he's not, he's not only looking for stuff to throw on, on Prime, to, to finance and, and throw on, on Prime, but rather, you know, things with substance. Yeah. And um, yeah, I th I think uh, too with this particular series, I, I think a lot of recognition should go to them too for giving Neil Gaiman essentially complete control over this. A lot of places would not have done that; they wouldn't have been allowing the writer to have complete control, and he did. Um, Neil Gaiman has said this is completely exhausting, and he was never going to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that he's very, very glad that he was able to because he he really wanted to bring this to the screen in honor of Terry Pratchett. And uh, actually, on a side note, there's a little documentary that Terry Pratchett did that I'd love to do at least part of a show about someday. But anyway, Neil Gaiman has said that he's very, very glad that he was um, able to to bring this as because he just wanted it to be perfect for Terry because because Terry's gone and Terry wanted this on the screen so badly. So I'm glad that he got to have that chance and I'm mad props to Amazon for letting him do that. Absolutely. And um, on that note, I have to tell you this before we wrap up. I have been watching this series that is an FX original, but you can find the entire first season on Netflix. And the second season is ongoing right now, and I think it's on its fifth episode. So, it is called Pose. Uh, It is a creation of Ryan Murphy. And I think it's one of the most fascinating, one of the most um, heartwarming and heart-wrenching shows I've seen in a long time. And I'd, I'd like us to talk about it soon, Jocelyn. So that sounds good. That you, sounds good. If you wanna go ahead and, and give it a give it a give it a, a a quick look, I think it's only eight episodes on the first season, and there's already five seasons out for the for the second season. If you wanna catch up on on FX on demand or something, but um, fascinating, absolutely, absolutely fascinating. So uh, pose is starred by um, Billy Porter. If you folks don't know who Billy Porter is, Billy Porter is the dude that wore a tuxedo dress (laughs) to the Oscars, uh, to the Academy Awards this uh, year. Yes. So made the news bigly, as someone we know would say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) So Billy Porter is is there, and this show has made history as the one series that employs in the largest number of uh, LGBTQ uh, folks, and in the biggest number of transgender people on screen. Um, but also, it deals with it's it's almost a a realistic showing of the plight of gay people in the 80s during the height of the HIV virus and how Mm. our government literally decided to bury its head in the sand Mm. and not help these people who were dying by the mass. Mm-hmm. So, again, everything we watch, in everything we see, in everything in everything we cover, you will see how, as human beings, we either fail this planet, or we fail our fellow human beings all the time. So, 
This is why we have this show. Um, so, <clears throat> Jocelyn, good news. Good news is good. We have a website. Yes, we do. Right? And it's, it's lovely. <laughs> I'm so glad you like it because I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And, but also... I I didn't I wanted it, I wanted to to surprise you with it so that you could tell me exactly what you think. So I'm like I'm not gonna show it to her until I'm finished it, <laughs> and then she'll give it to me straight. <laughs> you know. So um, yeah, we have a website and it's very easy to find. It's kickinginstreamingpodcast.com. But if you follow us on um, Apple, you can continue to do that. So if you subscribe to Apple, do it. If you subscribe to Spotify, continue to do that. Google, all of the platforms that you can follow us on, continue to do that. But also remember that we have a home. It is kickinandstreamingpodcast.com. Yes. So don't forget that, you know, You you can help this show. You can become a patron of this show. If on our website, there is a button that you can just click on. It says become a patron. And it will take you to patreon.com where you can pledge even one, one silly dollar a month <laughs> for the <this> show. <laughs> will help. All right. And Jocelyn, tell people how to follow you on Instagram. On Instagram, I am Jocelyn Podcast. Yes. Easy and, and simple. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Silly but good. Like, <laughs> silly good stuff. Yeah. I, I've always... I'm, oh, the effing birds is, is... I don't know where you find this shit. Man. The effing birds is awesome. <laughs> effing birds is... Yeah. I love effing birds. Yeah. It's good stuff. And you can follow Kicking and Streaming Podcast on Instagram also by looking for Kicking and Streaming underscore podcast. On Twitter, we are kicking in streaming so the letter n instead of end so kicking in streaming on twitter also i am on twitter as mr Pozetta m r p u z z e e no e t t a so m r p u z z e t t a um jocelyn is incognito if you go on, on, on at incognito on twitter you'll find <laughs> 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 That is not true. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't exist. We we'll, we'd love to hear from you folks. You, you know, uh, we know that you follow the show. We see the downloads every week. But also, you you guys sometimes are a bit too uh, silent. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what you think. You know, we want to okay. hear if you disagree with you with yeah. us, right? Yeah. Yeah, hmm. tell us. Tell us what you think. You saw um if you saw good omens and you're like um Dudes, you watched a different show than me. And, <laughs> and like, let us know. Like, shoot us a little message. It's like, dude, you watched a different show than me, and then explain explain why. Or you don't have to explain why. You can just you can just say that first part. That's yeah. fine too. Yeah, you can you can disagree and tell us and let us know. Yeah, But, you know, just, just don't be nasty because you know nasty isn't cool. Yeah, we're not about nasty. That's not the point, right? <laughs> no, no, we're here for mature, uh, intelligent, uh, grown-up discussions about stuff. Yeah, I, I love, <laughs> yeah, streaming, uh, streaming movies, 
TV series and stuff. That's what we do. That's what we do. So we want to hear from you. And uh, we'll be glad to obviously have a conversation with you about anything. Again, our website is kickinandstreamingpodcast.com. And it's awesome. It is awesome. And you can subscribe awesome. there too. You know, you can join our uh, uh, newsletter. We're going to put something out every month. But you have to subscribe. If we don't have anybody to send <laughs> a newsletter to, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you have to subscribe. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Jocelyn, as usual, okay. thank you for um, having this little rant with me. You know, I can't do this without you. So it's a highlight of my week. You're not going to go away any, anymore, right, Jocelyn? No. Jocelyn no. 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 goes away sometimes, people. <laughs> and I'm here like, boo, what could I do? She promised she's not going away. Very well then. We hope you have a fantastic week. And we'll see you next week for an, another episode of Kicking and Streaming. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Bye now. <laughs>